Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. As a pro, you know you can count on Lowe's for savings. Only at Lowe's, save on new flex-stacked lithium and get power that changes everything. With more power, longer battery life, and faster charging than traditional lithium batteries. Right now, get up to $150 off with purchase of select Flex 24-volt tools. Buy more. Save more. Now at Lowe's. In-store, must-ask cashier to scan barcode at time of purchase. More terms and restrictions apply. Savings varies based on total purchase. Minimum spend of $300 required. See Lowe's.com for more details. Selection varies by location. Valid through 1026. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Spring will be here soon, so if buying a new home is on your to-do list, right now is the time to call Quicken Loans. Learn about which mortgage options make sense for you and get a jump on your competition. With our exclusive Rate Shield approval, the low rate you lock today is protected for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. With a Rate Shield approval, if rates go up, your low rate stays locked. But if rates go down, you get that new, even lower rate. Either way, you win. Talk to us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to take advantage. Here's another great reason to work with us. For a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Again, to lock in today's low mortgage interest rate and get the security of our exclusive rate shield approval, call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Hi, welcome to this Subway ad for the new Sesame Ginger Glaze Chicken Signature Wrap. How would you like it? I'll take a... Sports announcer at home? Yeah, how'd you... We just know. My wife picks up the new signature wrap. It's got double the rotisserie-style chicken mixed with a sesame ginger glaze. She appears annoyed at me, but she shrugs it off. Those sweet and savory flavors are calling her name. She lifts the wrap, and she takes the bite! Incredible! And now she's closing the door on my... Subway, make it what you want. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Double meat based on average six-inch sub. I'm little teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle, and here is my spell. No, Dad, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pour me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com.
And welcome back to a new episode of Disasters in the Making, a KRN entertainment-based radio show. My name is Brad Slager. I'm an entertainment writer at a number of outlets, and each week we go over some of the things that are going on in Hollywood, some of the things getting released into theaters, as well as covering some classic horrid cinema that tie everything together. And joining me every week is another entertainment writer. He plies his trade over at ScreenRant.com, Paul Young. How are we doing tonight, Paul? Hey, good morning, Brad. We are fortunately high and dry over in this section of the state. Yes, indeed. It has been a a week of meteorological anxiety for me and Paul as we are uh, both Florida-situated and for the better part of the last seven days have been dealing directly with the Hurricane Dorian. So did did you encounter anything from the storm? Uh, yes, weather people, and that's about it. <laughs> yes, we uh, we were very lucky. I mean, I, I'm I got to tell you, I'm still amazed at how we avoided anything because I I think it was on Monday where this thing was a beast of a storm, 185 miles per hour, ravaging Sunday. the Bahamas. S- Sunday morning. Sunday oh, was it Sunday yeah. then? Okay. Mm-hmm. And it stayed there until like Tuesday. Well, yeah, it, it moved so slow. Yeah, it hit the, the Leeward Islands in the Bahamas, and then it moved over to Grand Bahama by Monday, I think it was. That's how yeah. slow this thing traveled. This and it was, just decimated those four people. Yeah, and the amazing thing is the, the storm itself was less than 100 miles from my front door, and we got nothing. That, yeah. it, just, it just flabbergasted me. <laughs> no way. Yeah, and yeah, we've, you know, having experienced storms and such, we all know, you know, what this is. And to see that level of storm sitting right on top of that island, it just, you felt it, even though we didn't get any effects. And I will say this, just a quick departure. I will encourage anyone listening, head over to my page on Twitter, at Martini Shark. My pinned tweet is an article I wrote yesterday with a list of viable donation sites for organizations situated in the Bahamas to help people out. You can give directly financially. You can even buy some goods for them on Amazon. They're doing regular shipments over there. So if you can, those people are definitely going to be needing this for a long period of time. And since Paul and I were dealing with uh, a lot of fraught eyebrows and staring at the Weather Channel incessantly, we decided we were going to I don't know, maybe a little bit of catharsis on our side and purge some demons. We're going to cover a uh, watery disaster pick that uh, really lives up to the name disaster. It is bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I watched it again yesterday. <laughs> it's got problems. It's, uh, the movie we're talking about is Hard Rain, and it is a heist picture that takes place during a monumental storm that hits Indiana to the level that... Uh, you know, they, they have water everywhere and gets worse and worse throughout the film. Constant rain, constant water dealings. And in the process of all of this, they're going to conduct <laughs> conduct a heist on a secure <laughs> I, I just, I'm a car. Yeah, it's <laughs> I just love the fact that this is uh, something that they had planned out. And despite the monumental disaster going on, an armored truck is still going to get hit regardless of the disaster around them. So that's going to be our uh, our cover for tonight. Um, we're just moving into September, and we cleared 
the month of August, which was our Butler Fest. We had a lot of fun with Gerard Butler. Did you notice the anniversary yesterday, Paul? Uh, no, what happened? I missed it. September 4 was the 10th anniversary of the release of Gamer, I found out. Oh. <laughs> this was one I covered. Uh, I did a live tweet of that. I think it was my uh, next to last one I did for the month. And, uh, yeah, I was surprised to find out that that was a 10-year uh, anniversary we just celebrated there. Oh, man. I, I apologize, Mr. Butler, for missing that. Yeah, it was. It kind of uh, it skirted things a little bit. It, it fled our August month of Butler, but uh, you know, nonetheless, I think I still wanted to note it, and just to kind of put a bow on the whole month of Butler. Did you catch the um, environmental town hall that they held on CNN yesterday for all of the Democrat candidates? No, I. Uh... Congratulations. I, decided to, I decided to punch myself in the face with a hammer and said it felt like it'd be boring near change. Yeah, I, I think you are um, you're in broad company as well. The ratings for this were not good, shockingly. CNN, if anybody doesn't know, CNN staged a seven-hour environmental town hall with the Democrat candidates where basically they proposed they want to ban just about everything. To yeah. little surprise, but the only reason I'm bringing it up, though, is Andrew Yang had a very um, interesting proposal that really perked up my ears when it comes to global warming. He wants to send up into space an array of mirrors to reflect the sunlight. Seems legit. In geostorm fashion, no less. I, yeah, just, I, I heard this come out of his mouth, and I said, what? I think he just wants to burn space ants. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that uh, Gerard's cautionary tale maybe has not gotten to the Yang campaign, so uh, I'm going to go to the donation page and see if they'll accept the DVD, and I'll send one over their way maybe just to kind of <laughs> let them know, uh, you know, Things could go askew. We've seen the evidence of it. So, yeah, we're uh, we're going to be doing Hard Rain. Now, this is a film that came out roughly about, what, 20 years ago, I think. 21, maybe. Uh, very interesting production. For one thing, this thing's filled with stars, shockingly enough. Oh, yeah. And uh, the late, great Richard Dysart. Yeah. yeah. Richard Dysart, I think it's his last role that I see. He did, uh, yeah. He passed, and then course, Ed Asner. Ed Asner's in this, and Morgan Freeman is the uh, primary star. We got Randy Quaid when he was still in his uh, lucid phase of life. Mm-hmm. And everybody's favorite grandma, Betty White. Yes, uh, we got the uh, scene-stealing Betty White, who, um, at the start of things, I thought she was really good. You know, She was kind of um, leaning into that, that Lake Placid feel that she had going on, but then she really just became a harpy. And, you know, after a while, yeah. like, all right. Maybe maybe dial that back. I'm going to probably blame the director for letting her off the chain a little bit too much there. But um, and Christian Slater also stars in this. He was also a producer of the film. So oh yes, yeah, so I saw that. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming sure he put up some of his own cash for this venture. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh, I would assume that he would have wanted to hold on to that cash for his 
his uh, court dates and his jail appearances that he had to do after, right afterwards. Yeah, this this was kind of some bad timing as far as uh, the the rest of the producers are concerned. Uh, yeah, Slater had a little bit of a uh, downturn in his uh, life and career right around the time of shooting this. I uh, believe he was on a cocaine binge, if I'm not mistaken, where he assaulted a number of people. I believe he kicked a cop. Well, as Hollywood wants to do. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, he, he did pay the ultimate price for these uh, actions of his 90-day jail, 90 90 jail time. Which uh, and I think I read that it was even a suspended sentence. I think he served fifty eight of it. So yeah, some of that seven. I think it was like seventy. But yeah, he he didn't yeah, serve the whole thing. Certainly, he learned his lesson because uh, you know you or I, if I you know so much as throw a bar napkin at a cop, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in the gray bar in for about six months. But uh, mm-hmm. the physical physical assault is acceptable i guess in beverly hills so that's uh, workable on the slater side of things but yeah his money and a lot of others went into this film 70 million dollar production this was and th- this is in 1998 dollars so this was a significant i mean it's a pretty good budget these days but back then you know let's uh, you know, factor for inflation, this would probably today cost anything like a buck twenty to one hundred and fifty million, probably. So they spent significantly for this. Now, they, I'll say this: the effects are there. The there's a lot of practical effects in this film, as far as flooding goes, as far as rushing waters. They actually constructed segments of a town inside of a military hangar, completely. Sunk. I think they said they worked in perpetual fashion with five feet of water. With um, and they had booms on all the sets. So, like, if you're inside of a house as the water's rising, what they basically did was lowering that set into the water to give the effect. So, they had just a, a crap ton of money went into making the flood as realistic as possible. And I want to say. Maybe ninety-five, close to one hundred percent of the movie is shot in water. Oh yeah, it, it, there it are opens very up few on the on the levees, you know, at the dam opening up. It's raining incessantly right from the start. Yeah. Now I don't know if you it, I don't know if you caught this. But that whole opening scene that starts with the Paramount's logo and then it drops down and it's rolling over the the like the city in general and then it comes down inside main street and comes up behind some cars that are pulling up off a, a side road mm-hmm. but then they throw up a logo right there behind one of the cars and it says like directed produced or something by that they used to hide the plate and switched it from cg to uh live action which was actually pretty smart you could barely see it now, back when we were watching this movie in the 90s, we didn't see the CGI because to us that we were just looking at the what was going on. But you watch right. it now and it's clearly all CG. But at the time, that was one of the longest plate shots that they had done in a movie like ever. Where it, yeah. Started, yeah, like it was um, all made up. All of it was completely made up until they put that logo up and they switched to a live shot of the, of the cars driving down Main Street. Which yeah, is rather can, impressive. You could tell these days, like basically the opening of it, you know, it starts in, it's basically zoomed in on 
two of the levees that have opened up on a dam. And then it's pretty much one continuous crane shot, tractor shot on a helicopter, let's say. And you're coming over landscape and it's flooded out. But, yeah, you can pick apart a lot of this is done in CGI. I think the floodwaters were digitally inserted. Mm-hmm. And even when they came in over the town, I had to rewind and watch it again. The cars are driving through, let's say, six inches of water. Yeah, all well, of that is CG. Yeah, they didn't actually come in off a helicopter, so they had to digitally insert all of the splashes coming off of the tires and the water. You could just see is not uh, clean up against the, oh, the no, bumpers the, of the cars and such. No, that whole—it's not just the cars. That whole and, and the water. That whole scene is CG. Everything about it—the buildings, the cars, oh, the lighting—the whole thing. It was the longest. It was looking like to me, they probably. Day. Yeah, it looked like they had shot it practical and then inserted around it. So uh, they probably did a tracking shot of some sort to keep it together so they could they could know where it was. But if you go back mm-hmm. and watch and when that that very beginning of that scene, you'll see this logo pops up and it's you know it's just like words written. And that is when they switch from the computer shot to the live action shot. So they just laid them over on top of each other. It's actually kind of flawless on the way they did it, especially considering they did it in the mid mid early or late nineties. Right. Right. And that's all due to the director, uh, you know, uh, Michael Salomon. He was a cinematographer. He was an award-winning cinematographer. He's only directed three films, this one and one directed DVD and something else. But, I mean, he yeah, worked on the He's done a ton of TV work primarily as far as directing goes. But, yeah, he is a, a cinematographer. So He's a good one, too, because he, he worked on The Abyss. He got nominated for an Academy Award on that one. He got a nominated for an Academy Award on Backdraft and Far and Away, Acro. Arachnophobia. So he's he he knows how to frame a shot. And there's this movie has a lot of flaws. The cinematography is not one of them. No, no, it's um, not set up. Yeah, it's very well composed. And the interesting thing I saw too. Now, now when the levy breaks at the end, that was a that was a model, right? Like an Independence Day style model. Yeah, it's physical miniatures. Even you know, there's cars spilling through it and such like that, which I found really. Interesting because ninety five percent of this film is shot practical. I mean, we are talking boats going down the middle of a flooded road and scenes where the levee breaks and you've got water washing and carrying boats and washing people over. I mean, there is a lot of physical work put into this that's pretty impressive mm-hmm. for a garbage script. The um, yeah, the script itself is just not there at all. There's not much going on beyond the fact that we want to rob an armored truck. Storm came. Okay, we're still going to rob an armored truck. And that's about it for motivation. And that just shows you that not everything that a writer writes is going to be fantastic. I mean, Graham Yost is the guy who wrote this. And he also ended up uh, writing shows of Justified, Falling Skies. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the last castle. I mean, he's band of brothers. He's got some really good stuff to his name, and this just isn't one of them. He also did uh, <laughs> Broken Arrow and Speed. <laughs> okay, there's the, yeah, and the, that probably right there is a perfect dichotomy of quality and uh, <laughs> what you're getting. I mean, the main thing here is you, you're talking about a band of individuals that are robbing this armored truck. Um, it, 
headed out by Morgan Freeman. He's got a couple of lunkheads for some reason. There's always got to be those stupid guys that nobody can tolerate and contributes nothing, and yet he's also part of the crew. Smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that runs the dam is called in at the last minute, and their entire plot is to get the money. There's no motivation. Like They never explain... Who Morgan, wants, Morgan Freeman is, what he's doing, what's driving him to do this. There's really. Oh, he, he, he didn't hear that? I mean, he, they said it several times. He's just here for the money. <laughs> exactly. That's what he kept saying. I'm just here for the money. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool. much how he signed He signed the contract to do this film. He was just there <laughs> to do it for the money. Because he hated yeah, this. He, he hated working on this movie. Oh, so I'm sure everybody driver. did. But even after the fact, he recommended that people avoid watching this movie. And who does that? Who actually says actively avoid my movie? (laughs) (laughs) And here's where it really gets funny. Um, Spoiler alert. If anybody's really worried about this, Um, Morgan does not die at the end of this movie. He was supposed to originally he was supposed to, and they had to go back and reshoot scenes where he survives and gets away. So he was completely miserable shooting this film, which makes sense. I mean, you're drenched in water, most of the time underwater, for months. Hate doing this. Hey, Morgan, we need you to come back and jump in the water some more for us. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was... uh, He earned his money on this one. Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody did. Everybody did, because this was a, a... Like I said, from the opening shot, it is pouring rain. And it never lets up. The only break in the action is if you ever go indoors. That's about it. My only thought on why they actually made, had this movie made in the first place and gave us such a stupid budget was because it was part of that Breakfast Club series of disa- 90s disaster movies. I mean, it came near the tail end. You get, you get Dante's Peak and Volcano, Twister, of course, Deep Impact, Daylight. Yeah, they were just well, actually slew of 90s disaster films and. Right. They thought they could that, they thought they could hit on something different with a giant flood. Well no, actually the, the studio was trying to avoid exactly that, they said. Because this was this was primed to go in the summer uh, oh, I wanna say ninety six. It was it had I think it was a made date. Um then all of a sudden Granted, it wasn't a tentpole movie, even though it had this budget. But then I think it was the Volcano film got scheduled a week earlier. And so they wanted to, one, avoid that competition. But two, they actually said they did not want to be pigeonholed as a disaster film. Because this was initially titled The Flood. So they backed out of that summertime slot. And then they started doing test screenings. The audiences understandably hated it. They hated Morgan Freeman dying and a number of other things. So they started to do some fixes in post, do some reshoots. And then they pretty much just said, screw it. We're going to dump this in January, which is pretty much a release graveyard on a Hollywood schedule. And just to show you how bad things are, opened up in that miserable frame of January, and it was still only the number five film that weekend that it debuted. I remember going to see that film with my my super good friend Trent and his brother. We would see a midnight showing of a movie every Friday night. 
uh, for as long as I can remember until they stopped doing midnight showings of movies because it got quote unquote too dangerous, whatever that means. <laughs> and we would, we would do it every Friday night. We wouldn't even make plans. We would just literally show up at the theater and we, it was just assumed that you'd be there. And we went in and, and saw that movie and we both walked out like, this is awesome. We love every minute of this. And then I watched it again and I'm like, what, what were we thinking? <laughs> like, we're like, well, this is pretty good for a January movie. And well, yeah, I that's... think what it was, <laughs> Deep Rising had come out like just before then. It came out the same year. It either came out just before or just after. But those were my two favorite movies in 1998 were Deep Rising with Treat Williams and, uh, and Hard Rain. I don't, don't ask me why. I mean, I was just scheduled to do or, you know, destined to do this type of job for way back then. <laughs> So, uh, so this this wasn't placed on your screen ramp resume. I'm guessing when you went in for the official. No, yeah, it's. Uh, I had you to didn't put that, that five star review in the. <laughs> I had to hide that process. shame. <laughs> I got to keep that shame to myself. Because <laughs> this was, yeah, I mean, pretty much what we're talking about here. This opened up in the teeth of Titanic. Now, Titanic came out around Christmas. I want to say a little before Christmas that year. So that was huge. Um, the. I, what else came out? I'm trying to see. What, around that time? Yeah, it, it, the competition, as I recall, was not significant beyond Titanic. Pretty much anything that got released for about a two-month period just got crap-hammered by the sinking boat. Oh, let's just release our movie with everything else sinking and see how that's going to compare. <laughs> and it did not. Uh, yeah. So we're yeah we're looking at a seventy million dollar production here, and by the end of the run, it earned twenty million, and that's it. <laughs> the um, the whole reason this budget even got up here is that this is one of those consortium deals where they sell off distribution rights overseas ahead of time, so the the studio itself didn't have a full seventy million exposure. I think they probably were down for about $20 million, and then you have to do your advertising costs and things of that nature. So they still lost money on this. It's not there. Oh, my so, goodness gracious. I just realized. Okay, so Titanic wasn't the only movie this thing was open. It was was against. It, Tomorrow Never Dies was still in theaters. Amistad was still in theaters. And Goodwill mm-hmm. Hunting was still in theaters. This thing didn't stand a chance. No, it did not. And um, – these are just a few of the other films that opened that weekend. Fallen with Denzel Washington, which not so too many people can remember. I like um, it. There's a comedy that was called Half Baked. Oh, so good. Dave Chappelle. Yes, yeah, so Dave Chappelle. One of the few times he managed to get on the screens and uh, pretty much said, I, I give up. And then there's the family adventure Star Kid. Star Kid? What is that even? Exactly. And despite this um, tepid competition, still couldn't manage to do better than number five with a $70 million budget. So, wow. Yeah, that's, um, you're, you're pretty much looking at a, uh, at a bad start here. And a lot of times what they do is release these in theaters so that they can then market them as a Hollywood release in Europe. And this thing performs so poorly that it barely got any of the European releases that they sold distribution rights to. The BBC was involved in this as well. Well, that's right. Yeah, I remember reading about that. I think they they did put it on television there to some 
respectable response. But as far as, like, say, Germany and Japan and a few of the others, it never really materialized. Um, you know, and this is a um, distribution out of It was called, um, I think it was Mutual Entertainment was behind this. They've had a number of other films they were attempting to get into the business with. Almost all of them were mistakes and disasters, and all of their foreign investors basically walked away from it. So that was the... Uh, the, the machinations behind it, and we'll dig in a little bit. But speaking of disasters in theaters, I um, over at the Federalist, I drew up a list of the 15 bombs from this past summer. Only 15? Yeah, it was uh, it was tough to come by. I gotta say because um, it, it was just a lot of meh. There wasn't like a lot of real heinous, in-your-face, nasty disasters, but uh, most of the sequels that came out, you know, there were some amazing stats here that I think for 16 consecutive weeks this summer, there was a movie in the number one position that was based on prior properties. That's great. Four months of product that were all sequels, remakes, reboots, something of that nature. And probably all of them were Disney-owned. Disney well, the, the Disney-owned ones were the only that only ones that did well for the most part. But like Secret Life of Pets, remember when that came out a few years ago and that was a monstrous hit? Mm-hmm. Sequel came out and could not even manage to make half of the money. The first time. That and that explains why Universal uh, scrapped plans for a Secret Life of Pets two uh, location in their parks. At one point, it was they were supposed okay. to open it up like in yeah like. 2020, I think there's supposed to be a Secret Life of Pets uh, ride slash area, and I guess after the movie didn't do so well in, on the uh, DVD market, it did pretty well in the movie theaters, but not so well on the aftermarket, they scrapped that plan and changed it and moved it into just their afternoon parade. So that's the only place you can see Secret Life of Pets is in the afternoon parade. Okay, so they only have characters, but they don't have any... Yeah, nothing physical, that really relates uh, to locations it. to go visit and immerse yourself. Nah. Yeah, there was uh, there was a lot of mistakes in here in my list. You know, like for instance, they tried to bring back Shaft again with Samuel L. Jackson. Completely fizzled. Nobody went to see that. Godzilla: King of the Monsters was a just didn't do anything that the last one did in 2014. There weren't enough monsters. Yeah, I don't no, care it, about the it, humans. They pulled the plug on seventeen monsters. They should have gone for the full twenty, maybe. I don't. They, know, they, did, they did the same. Had the same problem with this movie that they did with the Transformer series, and they put too much human interaction. I want to see giant monsters <laughs> beating the crap out of each other, and that's it. I don't. Uh, you know, I was yeah. I was definitely in theater for that one, and I, I was just amazed that no matter where they had to go in the world to go battle these monsters, they had to make sure that the audio technician went along with them. So he's flying on military transports. He's on the scene wherever the monsters are fighting. And he's also in the submarine that's going into the volcano to find the radiation that's going to rejuvenate Godzilla. Because, you know, you need an audio technician for this kind of venture. Of course you do. They have it so, on yeah, that's a job. Men in Black International, they tried to reboot that franchise to failings. Ugly Dolls was my second biggest bomb. Oh, my gosh, dude. That movie was so bad. 
my daughter and I went to a went to a uh, special screening of it, advanced screening, and we both walked out like that's the worst thing we've ever seen. And we watched Assassin's Creed. This was bad, like bad, bad. It wasn't even like it wasn't even like fun bad. It was just bad, bad. And uh, Blake Shelton does one of the, the voice of the mayor, and it was. I think they just had him record that on his iPhone as he was driving to work and to, to do something better. <laughs> I, it was I not good. It was they, not they, good. Yeah, they definitely rushed this into production and. This is made by STX Entertainment. They are desperate to get into distribution and be a big player in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And they they actually partnered. They had 100 promotional partners across the world for this movie. Oh, my gosh. They have a Hulu series in the making of this coming up next year, I think. They oh, had, Yeah. I mean, they went full bore thinking they had just cornered the market and they had the newest lightning in a bottle animation hit on their hands nope it's it's, it's trolls beat them to it <laughs> basically yeah trolls beat them to it and they still wasted their money now they should have just started with the with the hulu series had they had just done nothing but a hulu series it actually probably would have been okay or at least it would have hit its target audience yeah they they invested i think 50 to 60 million producing it, another 100 million in promotions and such this thing opened at 8.6 million on its opening weekend barely made it to so all right i wanted to touch on that so we're going to take a break here bottom of the hour then we're going to come back we got some uh, additional hollywood news some dvd features and then we'll dig into this disaster of ours called hard rain so stick with us folks for about two and a half minutes we'll be right back Listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Spring will be here soon, so if buying a new home is on your to-do list, right now is the time to call Quicken Loans. Learn about which mortgage options make sense for you and get a jump on your competition. With our exclusive rate shield approval, the low rate you lock today is protected for up to 90 days while you shop for your new home. With a rate shield approval, if rates go up, your low rate stays locked. But if rates go down, you get that new, even lower rate. Either way, you win. Talk to us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com to take advantage. Here's another great reason to work with us. For a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Again, to lock in today's low mortgage interest rate and get the security of our exclusive rate shield approval, call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the new Sesame Ginger Glaze Chicken Signature Wrap. How would you like it? I'll take a... Sports announcer at home? Yeah, how'd you... We just know. My wife picks up the new signature wrap. It's got double the rotisserie-style chicken mixed with a sesame ginger glaze. She appears annoyed at me, but she shrugs it off. Those sweet and savory flavors are calling her name. She lifts the wrap, and she takes the bite! Incredible! And now she's closing the door on my... Subway, make it what you want. Limited time only at participating restaurants. Double meat based on average six-inch sub. I'm little teapot, short and stout. 
Here is my handle and here is my spell. No, no, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pour me out. <laughs> this is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. Pop off, stalls out, and they can't go anywhere. And then the bad guys show. Led by Morgan Freeman and his merry band of Bible-quoting, insipid individuals. Uh, now, they said that awful, in the movie, they weren't planning on the truck stopping at this location. So how did they know it was there? Oh, he made the announcement. On the, he called him on the radio. Ed Asner, when he went up on the, oh, right, went up yeah. on the roof, oh, right. was trying to see. And I don't understand why he went on the roof. Like, I'm going to go out on the roof and see if I can see anybody in this rain because I didn't see this hole. I figure I can see somebody. What is, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, the other thing that doesn't make sense is they show up, spotlights on the truck. You know, Christian Slater's barking. The dumb guy that's in it starts opening fire, and they end up killing Ed Asner, who we later learn was in on all of this. Yeah, but we're okay. So he's like, you know, the, I'm calling the National Guard. We're going to wait on them, which we find out later that never happened. But if they have three million dollars in the back of their truck, someone's going to be looking for them. They know they're out picking stuff up. So why isn't their own home base going? Hey, where you at? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. I don't mean I don't yep. mean to cut in, but you guys might as well extend for about six or seven minutes because I didn't realize till about three minutes ago, but we lost the feed for about five. So we're back now, but we were down for like five minutes. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That that was probably the best part of the show, to be honest with you. So you're saying that they the people missed all of our gold? <laughs> Pretty much. Unfortunately, my hands okay. crapped out and I didn't catch it. That's all right. We got second level <laughs> stuff to give them now, anyway. All right, well, here's the other confusing aspect of it. The uh, the jittery, stupid guy who ends up shooting at Asner did so because Christian Slater drew a gun. But I don't understand how they saw the gun. Well, I'm guessing because of the spotlights. Oh, they were, like they were really far away. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, again, this is kind of a uh, fabricated plot movement and, you know, gunfire erupts and everything else, but the one guy that draws a gun doesn't get shot, the one guy that's in on the plot with them does, and, okay. It must have been one of those magic bullets, because they never ran out of them things. No, no, this this is definitely one of these movies where a six-shoot revolver has about 15 rounds in it somehow. And I don't never saw them carrying extra rounds, but they seem to have a bunch of them. Yeah, we never reload. We don't see clips getting added in. We don't see any kind of reloading at all because that just takes up time. Let's let's face it. You just have to uh, 
move things along here. So this uh, this finally takes place. The standoff ends, and they come and approach the truck. They want to blow the doors, but then find out the doors were already open, and then the truck is completely empty, and Christian Slater has made off with $6 million in cash in a basically in a satchel. Yeah, he's like three $3 million, I think he has three satchels. So maybe a million per satchel, but that, they sure didn't pull a million out of that bank when they were in there. No, no, no. They Wherever they were at were... Um, Collecting very large bills for this to play out. Mm -hmm. So, um, so Slater manages to get away, manages to hide the money, and then while he's in a cemetery with massive headstones six, seven feet tall, he sees the boats and the lights approaching and proceeds to walk out in the middle of the street instead. Yeah. Instead of hiding, instead of staying put, but. This does lead to what might be the most... Uh, the best scene in the movie. Yeah, the, the, the most visceral scene going because they have a bass boat and they also manage to break into a place and get two jet skis. And we proceed to have a jet ski chase inside of a high school. And that whole scene is awesome. And that's, and that's where the director's cinematography skills are really on display. Because it's, it could have been everything in there could have been framed very poorly because it was in such a tight space. But he gets the right angles for everything that he's doing in there. You can see everything that's happening. Yeah, I even think a couple of times we saw a uh, you know, like a jet ski approaching the camera as the camera cuts around a corner. You know, and so the camera is basically backing up, and you see the jet ski come by, and it has to come down the hallway. So yeah, there were a lot of well-composed scenes in this very tight space. Now, of course, I had, we, a que- I had a question during this pivotal moment in this movie, where come on, That's yeah, uh, it's, it's just one. And so he he breaks a window and climbs through. Well, mm-hmm. they need to blow open the door to go in. So they use the science teacher's bomb that they were going to use to blow open the armored car doors to blow open the school doors. And the explosion that occurs at the school doors are big enough to where people have to dive into the water to get away from it. And it obliterates everything around it. What did they think was going to, it was going to do to that money when they blew the doors open with that exact bomb <laughs> yeah, that, the, that the, plan would have been very short-lived yeah the charge uh seemingly would have incinerated most of their funds because yeah christian slater did have to uh, take refuge underwater at one point but uh these, these are questions you don't need to ask paul yeah well that's my fault i'm because, sorry because it allows two jet skis to drive into the flooded school and have a chase scene with Christian Slater, who manages in depth form to get a hold of one of them. Oh, yeah. And, and now I will tell you that scene itself, the jet skis driving inside a building and stuff, that stuff is real. Okay, So here in Jacksonville, we used to have really, really bad flooding in some in a, on a certain street in, in uh, Jacks, like the west side. And it didn't matter how much rain you got. If it was hard enough, you were getting flooding. And they used to ride boats up and down the street. And people would bring their jet skis out, and they would ride them for a mile and a half, two miles up and down this road because it was so much flood. And they were just up and down, up and down. 
And that's what that scene reminds me of. I still, and it, this happened in the 90s. So this happened in 93, hmm. 92, 93 when this happened to Jax. So I, every time I see that scene, it takes me back to that time when that occurred. That's just a little personal history there. So you were getting misty during the high school jet ski chase scene. I would. It was nostalgia. Nostalgia hit me right, right in the feels. For you. <laughs> so the the way Christian Slater gets to drop on this is, you know, he's kind of stuck. The dumb guy says ramming speed as he throttles up inside of a tightly enclosed school. And believe it or not, this actually goes awry because Christian Slater does something really ingenious here. He moves out of the way. Jetski hits a stair. He flies into the trophy case, and now Christian Slater has a Jetski. And I think in proper heroic fashion, he drives through a plate glass window and gets away. So at this point in time, I'm on board fully with this movie. Absolutely. Now, the uh, the rest of the movie takes place with them trying to catch Christian Slater because he's the only one that knows where the money's at. Uh, Mini Driver is refurbishing the church in town. I'm still not fully clear why she was in this movie. Uh, eye candy? No, that's... I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she was serving a purpose that's unclear because she was in the police station while Christian Slater was arrested for a term. Uh, she was in the middle of all of the gunfire. Christian Slater was apparently falling for her because he had to rescue her a few times, I think. But what what does a church refurbishment expert really have to do with anything? Plot. Yeah, I, I I was struggling to figure out where she fit in this movie and why she would why she would have stayed back and tried to run. I don't know. None of it made sense. I couldn't. I yeah. couldn't grab it. I mean, you know, like, why would she keep inserting herself in the action? Why did anybody in the action have to have her involved? There really wasn't anything. Oh, I know why. The potential rape scene. They had to show one of the cops being super, super dirty. It wasn't bad enough that they were killers <laughs> yeah. and thieves. Now they had to be uh, sexual assaulters as well. So if they don't have her in the film. They can't set that sexual assault up. Got it. So it was unclear the fact that they wanted to steal $3 million as well as killing people. We didn't really pick up on them being bad guys, so now one of them has to be raping. That's right. Okay, got it. Yep. Yeah, this is also a movie where a couple of times they do the uh, silent helicopter trick where boats and jet skis can just suddenly appear on people without any prior notice. Stealth. We're dealing with outboard motors and loud jet skis, but they just show up instantaneously. I thought, too, uh, maybe a little bit of a plot hole here. There was a gripping scene where the water level was rising up to a transformer, and they had to get off the metal stanchion they were climbing. Then the dumb bad guy shows up. He climbs on the metal stanchion and gets shocked and catches fire. The guy that just climbed out of the water in a torrential downpour. Onto a metal. Do you know? And by the way, those transformers when they explode, uh, it, it, they don't do that. They just pop, and all it, all of that 
a transformer is not a capacitor. It doesn't store energy. It just it, it just ups the voltage and the amperage. It's a step up, so it can go further distances. If it blows, it just blows. It doesn't like distribute its stored energy into the water because it doesn't have any stored energy. Not to mention that all the power to this town would have been turned off before any of this ever happened. They never, you know, it, they never would even had power left. But the fact that he caught on fire. Do you know the, the type of electricity required to catch a wet piece of clothing on fire? It, it cannot be produced by an exploding transformer. No, he, he he would have probably been vaporized in order for that to ch- take place. I mean, his, oh yes, I mean he climbed out of the water, so he's fully drenched while rain is still coming down, and yet he's bursting a flame. <laughs> and okay. So uh, this is all taking place while they're still trying to catch Slater, still trying to find him so they can find the money. And they manage to finally get a hold of him. He confesses it's tied up over in the cemetery. Now, he had told the cops about this very hiding place earlier, so they are all converged on the cemetery. And the cops have the cash. The bad guys arrive. Massive gunfight with no reloading taking place for the longest period of time. Now, at this point, Morgan Freeman had called in his friend from the dam because, as he explained it, he's a hunter with the best shot going. (laughs) And then... We proceed to watch this guy make about 60 shots with a gun and hit nothing for the entire duration of the movie. With a scope. He's got a scope on his rifle. He still cannot hit a single person he's aiming at. The only person he hit was the the, uh, young cop. Who was probably about four feet away from him. Okay, good. Well done, Stormtrooper. You got your guy. Stormtrooper. So, so um, you know, we uh, we finally get the culmination of things, and we think Morgan Freeman's dead, and then we see the inserted scenes where he's still alive, and he ramps his boat off of a roof, and his outboard engine displaces from said boat. He lands, outboard motor takes out bad guy Randy Quaid, and... In the end, Christian Slater is still hugging all the piles of cash. And, nope, I still have to turn this in. I still have to give this back to the company. Here's the hole in the entire plot. Because the entire basis of this movie is that they can't get a hold of this money because Christian Slater is just so good at his job. Let's recall now, at the start of this, when we're introducing to him, he hates this job. Mm-hmm hates what he's doing. He can't stand the thought of doing this for the rest of his life. And he's got $3 million in cash in his possession. I mean, he should be on a bass boat with a rooster tail hitting the horizon based on the character they presented in the opening of this film. And yet he is Gerard Butler with $3 million in cash and doing all the good work. And with $3 million in cash and you're in a torrential downpour and nobody's tracking you because the home office doesn't care that you're missing, mm-hmm. you could just disappear. Your body would never be found. Neither would be that you just DB, what, what uh, 
DB Cooper, the guy that disappeared <laughs> with all the money, just just go. You're gone. Exactly. The bills can't be tracked. You just take off. And remarkably, there were just so many notes in this plot that were familiar with hurricane heists. Just from the natural disaster to all of this cash being around to people being more dedicated to saving this cash that they have no vested interest in. All in play here with Slater. So uh, very well done. And only having one person run the levees. Well, you know. And, it's, uh, and he loses his – He's he almost kills the town while he's in there using the bathroom. Why would you have two people? I also love the fact that he's, you know, miles away running the dam, but he's also part of the crew somehow. I mean, I guess he was managing the flood on behalf of his friends and then got called into action, but he didn't even want to join in with them. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, that's hard rain. And I uh, recommend going and having some fun with this one. And uh, before we take off, we're going to give some quick recommendations here. You want to go out and check out some DVDs that are of a interesting level of quality. The Banana Splits have a brand new movie out for some reason. Did you like it? I haven't watched it yet. I got to say, yeah, yes and no. I mean, it's like, so the, so it's a hit. Themselves, I, I was never, like, it, they have this nostalgia thing, you know, like people are ironically these days watching the Banana Splits for whatever reason. Back in the, you know, they came from the 60s. and people don't know who we're talking about, they're a group of animal characters, life-size. They're basically like college mascots that ran a kid's show for Hanna-Barbera. And they ran around an amusement park, and they did some things on a set, and then they introduced cartoons. I mean, I remember being six years old saying, this is stupid. They, they, there's, this is dumb. They're not doing anything. But it's Sid and Marty Croft, so these characters look, you know, LSD-infused creations that they are for children, which is Marty, Sid and Marty Croft's whole career, basically. But there's, there's some level of ironic amusement that people find from their childhood with these characters so for some reason they decided to go forward and make an r-rated horror movie with these characters makes sense it's the next natural step in the evolution i i suppose and they probably figured there's no other way to make money off of the character castle we've got in our vaults let's try this i mean there are there are times where it works because you're looking at and it's only because they're known characters. I think that it works to a degree. But it's also undermined by the fact that the Banana Splits were very <laughs> low in cultural quality to begin with. So there's, you know, there's some ironic attachment to it. There's also a little bit, I mean, there is some legit gore in this at times for some reason. And it's... It's really hard to describe. It's kind of like it works at times, but it's also a very low-budget production. It was made in South Africa, of all places. So it's um, – I'll, I'll say this. It's different. So if yeah. you have any kind of uh, foreknowledge of the banana splits, I suppose check this out for the sake of interest. I basically watch it so I can say, hey, I saw the banana splits horror movie. That's rated R. <laughs> And I have. So there's that. And uh, 
just a couple others you might be able to find out there. Um, there's one called Iron Sky, The Coming Race. Have you seen this one? No, is that the sequel? The sequel to Iron Sky? Yes. And I, the only reason I even mentioned this is because the synopsis just cracks me up. They say, humanity finds its solace in the moon base once used as a Nazi stronghold. Nuclear war has destroyed the planet, yet a power that could ultimately decide the fate of mankind lies dormant under the wasted soil. And delving deeper into the hollow earth, a ragtag team pursues its longtime foe to find the secrets behind the creation of the human race. That just seems like a hell of a lot to load into a directed DVD sequel. I mean, I'm impressed. Hey, hey, if you don't shoot for the stars, man, what's the point of even shooting? I mean, you got nuclear war, you've got Nazis, you've got the origin of man. Wow. I'm on board. And then just, you know, quickly, one other I want to throw out is called Child Remains, where basically uh, the married couple that goes out to a bed and breakfast in order to regather themselves because I guess she's falling apart as an individual. And, uh, you know, soon after they check in, they find out it's a haunted bed and breakfast. Right as this woman is about to purge herself of a nervous breakdown, she's going to deal with haunted ghosts in a bed and breakfast. Well, you know, we, we've all got our things to deal with. So, there's a couple of uh, fun offerings you might find on Amazon Prime or Redbox, so check those out. But anyway, we uh, we got through the flood, we uh, made it to dry land, and here we are wrapping things up. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Paul, thanks for jumping in on this mess again. Rick, thank you as always. And uh, I'll just recommend one last time, anybody, head over to my Twitter page, Martini Shark, on Twitter. If you want to donate for the Bahamian relief effort, they can use it. As a pro, you know you can count on Lowe's for savings. Only at Lowe's, save on new flex-stacked lithium and get power that changes everything. With more power, longer battery life, and faster charging than traditional lithium batteries. Right now, get up to $150 off with purchase of select flex 24-volt tools. Buy more. Save more. Now at Lowe's. In-store, must-ask cashier to scan barcode at time of purchase. More terms and restrictions apply. Savings varies based on total purchase. Minimum spend of $300 required. See Lowe's.com for more details. Selection varies by location. Valid through 1026. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.